most of the time, it's more about adding foods back in um, that are supporting and nourishing your body rather than just cutting everything out because. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey there, thank you for joining us this week. If you follow anything in nutrition or have an interest and see stuff on social media, you know the hot, trendy words. (laughs) Do you know what I'm going to say? Yes. Gut health, leaky gut, GI issues, and all the above. And so today we talk with registered dietitian Katie Lovett. So she asked the question, is your gut a hot mess? So we will talk with Katie and she will answer all of our questions for gut health. Join us for this conversation. Katie, it's so great to have you with us here today. Will you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here and speaking to your people. Uh, My name is Katie Lovett. And I live in the great state of Texas with my husband and three really little kiddos, my fluffy puppy dog, Coco, and our fish, Arlo, Um, (laughs) our beta fish. And I help people have joy while healing their gut. Um, I'm a functionally trained, integrative and functionally trained dietitian, um, really looking at our body as a system of systems. Everything is interconnected. Um, and the gut is just the center of everything. And so if our gut's out of whack, everything else tends to be out of whack too. But whenever people come and they're experiencing these chronic gut symptoms, it's like, oh, I'll heal my gut and then I'll be happy. I'll heal my gut and then I'll go get my dream job or go on vacations again because I've had to stop because of my symptoms. So I really try to flip that around and help people have joy through the process because joy is, one of the biggest, greatest, beautiful gifts that we can experience on this earth. Yes. And in your, I see in your Instagram bio, you link um, finding and treating the root cause of their IBS symptoms. Explain what IBS is, because that is a huge range. Yes. I love that you asked that question. So IBS is actually a diagnosis of exclusion. What that means is you have a tummy that hurts um, or diarrhea or constipation or really awful heartburn, and it's gotten worse over time, and you're to the point that you're like, I need to go to the doctor and get some help. You go to the doctor, uh, probably, you know, maybe your primary care physician, they look at it, oh, yeah, you know, these symptoms are, are not normal. Let's send you out to a GI specialist. Um, GI specialists will probably order a colonoscopy and an endoscopy, which are great first steps because you need to know what's going on. Um, and they'll maybe do like a stool test that's just checking for any parasites, that type of thing. Um, most of the time, those results come back normal. 
And I'm not sure which is worse if those results come back with something like a, a disease diagnosis that they can diagnose you with, because then you're given some medication most of the time and told you, you know, oh, you need to stay on this medication for the rest of your life. Or they say, oh, it's normal. I don't know why you're having these symptoms. You must have IBS. So <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Um, it's just like everything looks normal. You're saying that you're having these symptoms typically for more than three months. It's interfering with your life for more than three months is kind of the criteria. There are criteria for IBS, but it's basically, we don't really know what's wrong. Something's wrong is what you're telling us. So we're going to call it IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Great. And so... With those first steps, what do you, how do you help your clients kind of find the, the cause of it? Yeah, so the, you need to look more closely, right? And what I just said, um, our bodies are a system of systems. Everything impacts everything else. And so we know, okay, if your gut is having these symptoms, I always liken it because I have young kids and this really hits home for me. It's like your toddler in the grocery store that wants a candy bar or preschooler probably is more realistic. Uh, Your preschooler wants a candy bar at the checkout lane and you say no, or maybe they want to tell you something and you're talking to the cashier or you're on the phone and you're, you know, just a minute, just a minute, honey, you know, hang on, hang on. Well, what is going to happen? Is that preschooler going to sit there happily, quietly waiting for you to say yes or answer them or listen to them? No. They are going to get louder and louder and louder until they have a full-blown temper tantrum where they're kicking and screaming on the floor. And you are forced. You have no other option but to look at them and pay attention to them. And so our bodies can tend to be a little bit like that. Our symptoms are really quiet at the beginning where they're maybe not really super noticeable. We're like, hmm, what's that? Something there? I don't know. Keep going. And then over time, you're like, okay, I've had diarrhea, you know, every day for the past two weeks. Like, what's going on? And then you may or may not know what to do. And so then it gets to this point where you can't leave your house because you don't know when that urgency is going to hit. Um, and it, it's that, like, screaming preschooler so we know that your symptoms are simply a way of your body trying to get your attention and so we have to dig deeper beyond the symptoms we're not just trying to quiet the symptoms we're trying to figure out the bigger reason that's laying underneath the symptoms of you know you have a lot of stress hey you're not chewing your food well enough and you're stressed out and rushed when you're eating. And so your body isn't able to fully break that food down into usable portions. And so your stomach is hurting. So you're really trying to look at the forest through the trees and see the bigger picture and narrow in on here are all of the things that we know a healthy gut needs. And here's the gap. Um, and also understanding what your goals are and where you want to go with it so that we know how to support you on an individual basis through that journey. It's definitely personalized. And so with these steps, do you uh, do like food elimination? Do you do more gut health testing? Uh, what's a good method? Yeah, again, it has to be personalized. It has to be based on what you want to achieve, what you're willing to do and not willing to do, you know, to get there. Um, 
if you don't know the answers to those questions and you're relying on somebody else to tell you what you should do or what's best for you, it's never going to feel right. It's never going to feel aligned for you. It's always going to feel like something you have to do or you don't want to do. It's just going to be really uncomfortable and you're going to be less likely to have success with it. So you answering those questions of why is this, like how is this impacting your life? Why is it important to you? And what are you willing to do or not do? Some people aren't willing to do an elimination diet and that's okay. Um, And I don't think, you know, a lot of the time people will come to me and they can count on one hand the number of foods that they feel safe eating. And that's not healthy either, right? Um, So it's, it's really this balance. Most of the time it's more about adding foods back in. Um, that are supporting and nourishing your body rather than just cutting everything out because elimination diets can be helpful when done properly in reducing symptoms in the short term while you dig for bigger answers. But it's this slippery slope where if, and this is typically what people do, you feel sick, like your stomach hurts after you eat, so you cut food out. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense, but it can become this slippery slope where okay, used to, you know, I felt bloated after I drank milk. And now I feel bloated after I eat broccoli. And now I feel bloated after I eat, you know, this and that. And so that list of foods that you're having to cut out can grow and grow. So helpful in the short term to relieve symptoms, not the only solution. I love that. Um, Can they add those foods back in? Do they feel safe? And and what kind of ways do you help them along that process? Yeah, I, it, again, it depends. <laughs> Personalized, right? Um, it depends on what's going on with that person. Sometimes food is the problem. Sometimes a certain type of food. Um, I had one client that corn, you know, we actually did a food sensitivity test on her that was able, able to look at different types of antibodies. And so we could tell this antibody local to the gut was being turned on anytime she ate corn. Um, And so that is triggering inflammation in her gut that was leading to this cascade of problems. She doesn't eat corn. She feels amazing. Um, Popcorn is okay, but like corn from like, you know, tortillas, tortilla chips, that kind of thing really bothers her. And she's like, I can eat three chips and it's not, it's not good. Other people who are eliminating a whole bunch of foods, the ones who are coming and saying, I can eat five things. Most of the time for them, they can add most, if not all, foods back, you know, over time. We do it very slowly in a way that they're comfortable because there's a lot of fear there too, right? Where people are like, I'm really scared to do this. Um, I have a client that we started with one bite of broccoli. You know, I was like, I really think you're ready. I really think your gut has healed. We know now what's been going on and resolved that issue. Let's try one bite. Do you think you can do that? Yes. And now she's much better with it, you know, and, and she's really been able to expand her diet. That's such a good example. Um, the, the gut, there's so much more new science around it too. And I've been kind of binging these podcasts with gut microbiome and the health and the new research and, <laughs> and they what they are finding um, is that, yes, you can tolerate all foods, in, but you have to start it in that slow process, and you did that very well with that. Um, talk, 
talk about the testings because, you know, you can order a test and, and find your food sensitivities, but I know there's some out there that may not be as helpful as the other and give you mixed messages. I mean, I even saw like a, a little segment on the Today Show and they tested three different tests and they pretty much all had different <laughs> results. Oh, so goodness. nobody wants that. We want to find the cause of it. So yeah. help us with the testing part of that. That's so frustrating. Uh, okay, so the food sensitivity test, they make sense, right? Again, it's the same as the elimination. I don't want to eliminate all, you know, 50 million foods that may cause my symptoms. So I'm going to take a test and get on a piece of paper what is causing my problem because it's obviously food because my stomach hurts after I eat. Um, totally logical, but like you said, they're not super necessarily reliable with the results. And like we were talking about a minute ago, it's not like it's the same as eliminating foods from your diet. It's not fixing the actual problem that's leading to that gut inflammation or just dis-ease and unrest um, to begin with. So, you know, I, I, I don't find them to be particularly helpful. I do use them sometimes. Like I just mentioned, we did that one that that's a test for a different kind of antibody that's local to the gut, complete game changer for that client, right? But it needs to be done in respect to the larger picture. And you really need a skilled provider looking at you who's had a lot of experience, not just training, but experience and looking at you and your symptoms and saying, these are my theories of what I think are likely going on based on what you're telling me, based on my knowledge and experience, and these are the tests that I recommend. So um, occasionally I would say, you know, maybe 5 to 10% of people I'll do a food sensitivity test on. Okay. Um, and um, almost everyone who I work with, I'll do a functional stool test on them. Now, I mentioned the doctors order a stool test that's checking for the bad guys. Um, but this is different and it's honestly really frustrating that all doctors don't have access to these tests because they're just complete gold mines of information. So I use one called the gut zoomer. Um, it's not quite as popular, but I think it's the best on the market. Um, it provides the most data points, um, and the most information. If you're looking at it and you're not a gut health dietitian, it's probably going to look a lot like a foreign language <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so people are like, can you just help me order the test and then I can read the results on my own? I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not going to be helpful. You really need someone to come alongside and help you, you know, apply and understand the results so that you can take action on them. But it's looking not, it looks at the bad guys and in a much more accurate way than what the doctors have access to. So these are going to be things like bad bacteria, parasites viruses, um, yeast overgrowth, stuff like that. It's also going to do a DNA sequence of your entire microbiome as far as we know today, right? It's always growing and changing and we know just the surface, right, of our microbiome. Um, but it's, it's um, looking at that um, and then it's looking at a bunch of different inflammation markers, so probably like nine different inflammation markers. So if you go to a GI doc and they're measuring calprotectin, 
that's typically what they're measuring for like a Crohn's or an ulcerative colitis, but it's just one marker of inflammation. So it's really taking a functional stool test is going to provide a much more robust bit of um, information. I say it's a lot like taking a magic school bus, like inside of your gut to like see what all's going on. (laughs) We we would love that, wouldn't we? Yeah, you probably enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you did mention Crohn's and diverticulitis, and that's kind of the step above IBS. And IBS is just down there, kind of a free for all, just so people are aware of the two. Yeah, yeah. So inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, is going to be more like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, uh, microscopic colitis, um, stuff like that, where it's, yeah, it's basically um, that all of your inflammation, I guess, has kind of gone up a level, right? It's up level. So whereas IBS is the toddler that's crying uncontrollably, IBD is like the kicking, screaming, thrashing about on the floor, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Great analogies. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So what type of foods can help kind of start healing the gut? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love that you asked that because like we were talking about, people are always thinking about what foods to cut. Um, And, you know, it's like, what about using food as nourishment to help really nurture our gut and help it to heal? So we all know, I think, have a general baseline knowledge of things that tend to be not great for us and things that tend to be better for us. And the same is true for your gut. Like if it's healthy for you, it's healthy for your gut. So things like sugar, refined and packaged processed foods, too much, you know, carbohydrates, um, really refined vegetable oils, chemical additives. All of that is inflammatory to you and it's inflammatory to your gut as well. But on the flip side, we know that vegetables, right? Everyone's favorite dirty food word, vegetables, are super nutrient dense. So, um, you know, it's like putting a salve on your gut. Your food literally passes through your gut. So eating those vegetables, you know, making half of your plate vegetables whenever possible and a rainbow of variety, eating seasonally, um, just as nutrient-dense as possible is amazing. Healthy fats. So these are like um, avocados, you know, um, avocado oil, olive oil, stuff like that. Coconut oil is a little bit... um, It can be good. If you have IBD, there is some evidence that it can increase the flare. So that one is, you know, maybe personalized a bit more, but healthy fats are really good. Um, Fibers and, you know, flax seeds, chia seeds, um, all of that. And then one of my favorites is overlooked a lot, um, at least in like my family group culture, is herbs and spices. I think um, less like European cultures do such a beautiful job of adding in these really beautiful flavors to their foods. Um, but in my family growing up, it was like, oh, add salt and pepper. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah. God, it's not just me. But yeah, like adding basil and turmeric and cumin and like some of these really cool spices and herbs here packed with nutrients. And the cool thing is it increases your enjoyment too. It adds a more complex flavor profile. So it actually makes the food taste better too. Yes. I was just listening to a podcast this morning on the scientists talking about how spices can 
heal your gut and improve your health too. So oh, I love that. I need to listen to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they were talking about their Indian culture and how they would have like they they grew up with this little uh, spice box. They they had a mm-hmm. special word for it, but you know that's just their culture and what they teach everyone. And I was like, gosh, I need to I need to learn that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we work on on doing more like curries and Mexican, like authentic uh-huh. Mexican dishes and um, stuff like that that really incorporate more flavors um, than just salt and pepper. And another tip is if you're tasting a food and it tastes bland and you feel like you need to add more salt, like you're you're reaching towards the salt shaker, try adding acid instead, like some lemon juice or lime juice, because a lot of the time that provides that flavor profile that you're really wanting even if you're feeling like it's salt like the acid of the lemon juice or lime juice can help give it that oomph that it needs yes I forgot about that I used to do that with my roasted broccoli in the air fryer and oh, do yeah. lemon juice it's so good yeah okay so um you know gut health has kind of I don't know we are seeing it a lot it's almost becoming a hot trend leaky gut um, what are some red flags that people need to look for if when they see that this program can heal your gut? What do you yes. do? <laughs> yeah. So as somebody who's been doing this for a number of years now, um, on the one hand, the trend, trendiness of gut health is really frustrating um, because there's you're getting half-truths and part stories and people who aren't really legit. But on the other hand, it's really cool and exciting because the world is catching on about how important the gut is, right? And so I think it's I think that it's overall a good thing that people are becoming more aware about gut health. Um, and you're always going to have kind of a bumpy road at the beginning as people try and catch on and figure out what's really going on. Um, but yeah, so first of all, we've talked here a lot kind of about you know, personalizing and depending on your unique needs. So it, our bodies are more complex than you think that they would be or than you would like to believe they are. It's never a straight, straightforward, simple answer. So if you are hearing anyone say, I can heal your gut, I will 100% heal your gut, you follow this one protocol and it's going to fix all of your problems. Or here's this miracle food that if you eat it or drink it every day, it's going to completely fix everything for you. I understand people's desire to want to believe this, but run away. Like, it's not going to help you. <laughs> you are going to end up feeling more frustrated um, and honestly be worse off than you were to begin with because now you're going to feel like it's your fault. Because they said that this is going to work and it didn't work for you. Um, or maybe it's made your problem worse. That would be horrible, right? If it was the wrong thing for you. Um, one example of this is like hydrochloric acid or stomach acid is, is kind of a trendy one too. Where, yes, it's true. Most people with heartburn, the issue isn't actually too much stomach acid. It's not enough stomach acid. Um, but so like drinking apple cider vinegar, taking between HCL is kind of trendy. And it's like, yes, that can help. But you need to be really careful. If somebody has a damaged stomach lining um, or if they've been on, you know, proton pump inhibitors or something like that for years, 
and then they go in and they take these supplements, you can really do a lot of harm. Um, so people really need to just be aware of, are they, are they acting out of a spirit of desperation where they are wanting so desperately for something to fix it for them or there to be a quick and easy fix? Typically not going to be something that's going to be very fruitful for you. Yes. And explain what proton pump inhibitors are. Oh, yeah. So that's like your DM, right? Thank you. <laughs> your, your acid blockers, right? Yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that. Yes. Acid reduce. <laughs> not not the mainstream. So, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, where can people connect with you? Yeah, I'm all over the place. I feel like I'm like dabbling here and there. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, so at the underscore healthy gut underscore dietitian on Instagram. That's also my TikTok handle. Um, I'm not on TikTok a ton, but um, it's, it's actually fun to create over there. Um, so I can get more into it. We'll see. Um, and then I just launched the podcast as well um, within the last couple of weeks. So that's fun. If you want to hear more about my approach and what I have to say, I'd love for people to listen in on that. Um, yeah, just reach out, send me a message. I'd love to connect. Great. Yeah. And your podcast name is? The Nourished and Thriving Show. Great. Um, lots of great information here. Uh, what are some, you know, questions or most popular reels or posts that you get on social media that people are like, huh, or what, or that they really enjoy? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I think food is not the problem, right? Adding more food in instead of continuing to eliminate food is a big one. Um, that there's not just one root cause. And there's not just one solution because everyone is always told, look for the root cause, look for the root cause. And a lot of the times there's multiple things causing it or contributing to your symptoms. Sometimes the root cause isn't even relevant anymore, right? So say everything got thrown off balance on a cruise 15 years ago when you ate from a buffet and got food poisoning. Why well, I'm terrified of cruises and buffets. <laughs> Um, and you know, it, it kind of was this cascade of events and, you know, you're, you're really suffering now, but that food poisoning is over. So maybe that was the root cause, but it's not relevant anymore. So why would you try and go do anything about that? It gets multiple factors now contributing to those symptoms continuing. I think those are the biggest things. That's a good one. Um, and also touch on... Um, other factors that are non-food factors like stress and sleep. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about chewing and I'm going to mention that one again, because sometimes whenever people come to work with me, like before we've gotten their test results back, before we've really, you know, dived into a personalized protocol, this is advice that I make to most people and they come back and they're like, this has made the biggest impact on my life. Like this has helped more than anything else I've ever tried. Um, so chew your food really well. It's that important. Um, so 30 to 40 times per bite. Um, so that like the way you are eating is really important, not just food. Um, stress, right? If you're in that like fight or flight anxious mode all the time or whenever you're eating, 
um, your body isn't able to really digest your food and break it down. So then you're going to have poor digestion and, and symptoms from that. Um, sleep is important for, for gut health too. I actually have somebody um, who I'm hoping to have on my podcast soon. He's a sleep consultant to really dive deeper into that. But we really need that overnight time of resting and repairing and all of that too. Um, and then exercise is important. You know, movement is important. Um, not too much, not too little, right? The Goldilocks exercise, just to write them out. <laughs> so, um, those are all important. And then other things to just consider are environmental to- toxins, right? So what are you putting on your skin? What are you cleaning your house with? Um, so it's not just food. It's, I love that you asked that question. It's, it's other things too. It's sometimes hard to grasp that. Uh, area because when you think gut, you think food because you keep putting it in. But like you said, there's so much more that um, shows so up. Everything yeah. is connected. Yeah, yes. everything is connected. So once it gets into your body, it affects everything everywhere. Or think about you know our circulatory system. You have blood vessels and veins and blood circulating everywhere. So if something gets into your bloodstream, it's literally going all over your body. So it's going to impact everything in your body services that you provide? Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of options. My most popular option is going to be gut rehab. And it's a six-month deal where it gives us time to do some testing, implement some protocols, see how you are, adjust, see you through a really good chunk of life. Because a lot of the time people say, oh, I I really want to get help, but I need to not be stressed first. Like I need to get through this event before I can focus on my gut. And I'm like, but it's really better to have my support through that experience. And so if you're working with somebody for just a short period of time, you're not necessarily going through a hard time when you really need support. So the six months allows us to really get through some holidays or a family vacation, you know, and really see life together. Um, and it's a combination of coursing, coursework where you can listen to videos, watch videos, and work on worksheets on your own. Um, group coaching where you have some community support, um, learning from each other. We actually had a great session last night where everyone was contributing meal planning ideas and prepping. I know we were talking about that before we started recording, and it was so awesome. Um, and one-on-one as well. So it's this, like, triple threat approach where you're getting, you know, uh, coursework that you can do on your own, a group, and then my brain one-on-one to help personalize it for you, too. So that's my most popular one. The one where I recommend most people start with if they haven't done anything before. Right. Oh, that's so wonderful. And um, I love that you have it six months because it's not something you can fix quickly. And that just kind of goes with diets and habits anyway, no matter what you're focusing on in in your health situation. Yeah, we're used to instant gratification, right, where we it now and most of my clients do see significant results within a couple of weeks of starting together but you want to be able to sustain those results you know we're not doing anyone a service if we're working with them for a month you know and we're like do these three things and then something comes up and happens and they were feeling great at the end of the month and then all these other things happen and they're like now they're feeling more like a failure because they're like i did that work with katie 
it helped. And then I fell off. I, you know, did this and it's not their fault. They just didn't have the length of support that they needed to really help walk them through those harder things that came up. And what I'm learning as a professional too, is that um, keeping up with your clients uh, sometimes just helping them work through those mindset shifts of like, yeah, I guess I really didn't do that bad this week, you know, and it's like, yeah. no, look at this time and yeah. this moment and this moment, just because you had the pizza on Friday, it's okay. You know, <laughs> that's life. Social, social enjoyment of food is a marker of health right. in my world too, you know, and that's actually how we start every group coaching call is everyone goes around and round tables their wins for the week. Like, what have you done really, really well? Because it, we're so easy. It's so easy for us to negative self-talk ourselves. So really focusing on what we have done um, to move the needle forward is, is really important to keep us going. Right. That's wonderful. And with, you know, diet culture ways of, of bad food versus good food, it's uh, hard to get away with that sometimes. So we need that yeah. reminder. Yes. Love that. Any other last takeaways before we go into our closing questions? I don't think so. I really enjoyed speaking with you and thanks for having me on. And um, hopefully this is helpful to answer some questions if people are struggling with not really knowing where to turn. And like you said, hearing things everywhere and being inundated with this will heal your gut. This will heal your gut. This will heal your gut. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Like it's, you're just spinning in research. So maybe this will help people find a path forward. So much. And it, you have a post on your on your Instagram, the cost of healing your IBS. And I think sometimes seeing all those quick fix programs, people spend too much money and uh, time <laughs> on things that aren't working. So. Yeah, sometimes a six-month program can feel like a really big time or financial investment up front, but you're doing it up front and committing to something that you're really into the long haul with that's really going to provide that lasting support versus nickeling and dining the same amount or more away to end up without those results. So Yes, 1,000%. Great. Well, we will get into our uh, closing questions. The first one is, if you were in a TV show, which one would you be in? Ooh, that's funny. I've always loved I Dream of Jeannie. I think it's such a fun concept. My husband and I actually dressed up as, as them for Halloween one How year. Cute. It was so fun. <laughs> that's a good oldie one. I need. We need to go back and watch that. That may tell you how, how much TV I watch, too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, second question. What is one food someone has said a dietitian eats that? Ooh, I think I like your, your pizza one, you know. I think I like the pizza coming back to that. Friday night is pizza night in our house, and it's something our kids really look forward to all week because we get to do pizza and a movie. Um, you know, it, it's just a really fun family bonding time. Totally. There's every week has to include pizza. Yes. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing all your expertise in this area. And we will share your information in the show notes. And just thanks again. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having me. I hope this has provided some clarity, um, especially when you see so much out there on social media about 
gut health and these problems and here are these cures to just get down to the basics like Katie said. You are having any problems, maybe a heightened problems, reach out to Katie for all your health, gut health needs. Um, like I mentioned in last week's episode where I talked a little bit about the gut microbiome, there's so much more science that we're learning currently in these gut microbes that are linking to overall health. And so that's where it can get tricky and a little bit sticky. But let me know if you have any more questions about gut health, and we would love to share them on the podcast. So thank you for sharing your time here with us this week on the podcast. And we will be back next week for another episode on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.